classified. You see, my identity must remain mysterious and my mission secret. If I told you that, I'm afraid I'd have to kill you. I'd like to see you try. I can explain. TMI. TMI, my friends. 8.45. Are you ready to give us TMI, Rafael Rashid? Indeed I am. Good morning. TMI being this morning's interest. And uh, we're talking about vulnerable groups and, and coronavirus today, aren't we? Uh, there are people, sure. perhaps even in plain sight, mm. who are at risk of being forgotten amidst all the measures that we've been mentioning. People who might not even have access regularly to radio or, or, or television. Yeah, no. Um, you know, just the other day, I collected, I proudly collected my two weekly masks that are being rationed at pharmacies nationwide. Um, you know, and I walk out the pharmacy with my two masks and then some older man is pulling a cart with, you know, cardboard uh, in his cart with no mask. And, you know, I can't help but feel guilty. Uh, And I I wasn't too sure what to do. Um, Mm. Because on the one hand, I'm supposed to be protecting, if I have the virus, I should be protecting... um, you know, other people from preventing other people from getting the virus. Um, so it's a, it was a bit of a dilemma. Yeah, I understand. And I, I think I felt that instinct when I've seen homeless people sitting without masks. around Seoul. Yeah, often without masks. And, and you think they're potentially being exposed to constant foot traffic and right. maybe coughs and sneezes and things of that nature. And they're probably, you know, not going to know necessarily that they have to be queuing up at this pharmacy. I mean, you know, you've got these apps telling you which pharmacy has a stock of masks, which one doesn't. You know, it's not just it's not just a time issue; it's also a money issue. There has been a sense that some of the advice that's been given out in recent months, and some of the measures that people have taken over masks, have been largely selfish uh, mm. and, and what i mean by mm. that is people not just hoarding masks but also trying to insist that everybody else wears masks not because they care so much about them but because they want to limit the chances of them spreading the virus around mm. and and that's uh, for a large part natural and good health advice but part of the the sort of sentiment of what we're doing today is to try to consider more from a less selfish perspective and more more from that sort of view of people who've got less of a voice in this. Mm. And that includes people who might already be in hospital, right? I mean, there, there was a, another outbreak at a hospital in Daegu a few um, weeks ago, but also now in the last day or so, uh, further details. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we're looking back a few weeks, we shouldn't forget that about, I think it was 100 people at the Chongdo Tenam Hospital in Daegu contracted the virus. Many were in the 50s or 60s, uh, confined to a psychiatric ward. One person in particular was there for apparently two decades, had no friends or family, no one was there to be notified when he died. Uh, no one was there to mourn his ashes. He apparently weighed about 40 kilos at the time of death. And at the time, the Korean Neuropsychiatric Association said, we should first invest resources for the most vulnerable groups to protect their precious lives. We should look to ensure there is no discrimination when it comes to the treatment of these groups simply because they have, um, in this case, severe mental illnesses. Uh, horribly tragic 
as a story in itself. Um, but meanwhile, those who might not have the virus but are potentially vulnerable, it's difficult for them to get information and assistance, apparently. Yeah, and people with, for example, visual or hearing disabilities are not necessarily having an easy time getting COVID-19 information on time and properly. Um, It is not easy even to buy a mask or to get medical treatment. Um, So people are saying that there should be measures in place to take into consideration their, their needs. Um, And in order to prevent the risk of infection, you know, many of us are socially isolating ourselves, so to speak. But for some people, like, you know, with visual uh, or hearing impairments, they are also having, they are being isolated from information um, as they're not being able to get it easily. I'm not saying that there is no, no means, but it's not easy. Um, You know, Braille services are not necessarily... uh, as fast as, uh, you know, breaking news services that we we can appreciate. Mm. Um, So, you know, even like the movement of confirmed patients or preventative measures, these things are not necessarily getting to these groups as as fast as as we would like. So for practical things like mask distribution, the measures that we are using, that you mentioned you were using the other day when you give your birth year, that that (laughs) makes it more challenging. Uh, Yeah, um, I I was reading some cases where people um, belatedly found out about this distribution system and even if they did get to know about it, then they had to go to the specific pharmacy on time and I think it was one case I was was looking, uh, it was um, a guy that was blind, Mm. so obviously he can't, uh, you know, run to the pharmacy and look at the app on time to see where and when he should be going and then he goes to different pharmacies and is just turned away. Uh, The same problem goes for people with speech impairment, you know, if they cannot uh, communicate properly with uh, authorities because they are deaf or have a, a hearing disability, it can be very difficult. But people are queuing up as well still for these masks, even with the system in place. And this is the one thing that makes me think, well, maybe they will just go ahead with the general election without changing things too much. Because if you can have people on mass going to queue for masks, I suppose they can queue to uh, tick a box. There is this uh, number, though, that we keep giving out, 1339, and that's relevant in this case too? Yeah, uh, people, I mean, obviously, I I think it's important to note that, you know, that changes are taking place slowly. Uh, So people with hearing uh, or language impairments uh, are now able to make video calls uh, by using an app called Son Marium Centre app, uh, which is an app on your phone. And so you can do video calls or they can call 107 and also do video calls, which will connect them to the 1339 Centre um, it's kind of like a, a intermediary step right. to, to, to connect. Okay. So again, 1339, um, but by, or by dialing 107, which will interpret for calling 1339, as you say. So the one thing I just want to add, by the way, I'm not saying that the mask cues justify the election. Mm-hmm, I personally mm-hmm. think it should just be delayed because there'll be many vulnerable groups for whom it creates a dilemma. Mm. Uh, older people especially might feel a real strong burden to go out and vote when they shouldn't necessarily be doing so and, uh, and, and could potentially really skew the results.
They've got a years-long National Assembly that could be skewed in that way. Um, meanwhile, to, to prevent the spread of the virus, you mentioned that volunteering services were being suspended. I'm guessing it's the same for elderly people who might not be able to get services as before. Yeah, so to prevent the spread of infection, um, the operation of, say, welfare facilities for senior citizens across the country have been uh, suspended, and so they are being told to stay at home as much as possible. Um, but this in itself can make life a lot more difficult, uh, even more lonely. So the government has said that it is providing countermeasures to maintain social welfare services. Uh, you know, lunch boxes are being delivered, food is being distributed at like uh, food centres. Mm-hmm. And Inchon, they're doing a project to help elderly people who used to be working in city-run projects. Yeah, so for instance in Incheon, 97% of, I think it's 38,000 senior citizens aged over 65 uh, who participate in certain job projects in Incheon are no longer able to work. Um, And as you know, know, many elderly people do live in poverty in Korea, so without this kind of lifeline, it is difficult to make ends meet. So Incheon City has rolled out a scheme where uh, elderly people can still work even if it is at home through projects such as the Health Partner Project to check on the health of other elderly people. So the way it works is that they can call each other and check up on one another and inform authorities if someone cannot be contacted more than three times in that day. So these kind of projects are slowly rolling out and uh, in Seoul too, uh, you, if you have a social worker or care worker that cannot provide services because maybe they are in self-isolation, other social workers or care givers uh, belonging to Seoul City are being dispatched. Um, so you have, you know, diff- you have different projects rolling out slowly. And there's also this uh, basic income for vulnerable groups. There's been a lot of talk about whether everyone should get a basic income. Yeah, um, I mean, for example, in in Jeonju, a basic disaster income of just over 500,000 won per person is being distributed to approximately 50,000 of of people that are considered vulnerable, such as non-regular workers or unemployed uh, workers. And and um, this income of about 500,000 won will be dispensed in April. And then in Hwasong, Gyeonggi province, authorities plan to pay about 1.2 million won for living and welfare expenses um, to people who have uh, four-person households who have lost income uh, due to the due to the outbreak, such as um, like taxi drivers, for example. Well, it's a bit of a theme today to to consider those around us during this outbreak. We we heard about it from a nursing point of view earlier, and now from a from a general societal support perspective, especially for the groups that, even if in plain sight, don't have quite as prominent a voice. Rafael Rashid with TMI, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you very much to our producer, Christina So, our writers, Che Kyung Mi, Oa Jin and Song Ji. Coming up next, TBS EFM's COVID-19 live updates for the first half hour in English with Na Sung Yeon, and then from 9.30 to 10 in Chinese with Chi Ming Ming. And this morning, we'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m.